Hello everybody, welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast with me, Andy Kelly. Um, hope you're all feeling good uh, on this Monday afternoon. I suspect everybody feeling a little less nervous than they were at lunchtime on Sunday. Uh, today um, we'll be looking back on that West Ham game and uh, to do that I'm joined by two esteemed colleagues, by um, our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. You alright James? Andy, oh, I didn't even get a hello there. Just, just uh, Andy. All right, okay. All and good. and uh, it's partner in crime down at the London Stadium. Uh, I, I still have to think about what yeah. that ground's called these days. Uh, down at the London Stadium was uh, Neil Jones. You all right, Jonesy? Yeah, it's not too bad. Not too bad. Um, so uh, these two were down at, at uh, West Ham yesterday. I was uh, uh, manning things, uh, doing the hard yards back in the office, I think uh, is what it's called. But Piercy, that was the most important result of the season, would you say? Yeah, it certainly felt like it. I think in the circumstances, um, you know, especially with the the pressure cranked up after you know those wins for for City and and Arsenal on 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 the Saturday. I think you know any any idea that maybe four points from the two games would be enough had, had gone out the window. It had to you know it was an, an absolute must win, and you know the difference between you know I think the entire season being deemed a a success or a, or a failure. So yeah, it was you know me and Neil were on the train down there, and I think you, know, you could. You could sense there was a fair bit of trepidation amongst amongst supporters, um, but you know it was it was a rarity in that it was it was actually a Liverpool game that you could actually enjoy for most of it because Liverpool were that dominant, uh, that in control, and um, yeah, the, you know, the last half an hour was was an absolute procession. Jonesy, there wasn't uh, any uh, room for error, was there? You know, because. Right. However, we may think Arsenal have two games left. When you look at those two games tomorrow night against a Sunderland side that uh, not only is fairly rubbish in its, in its <laughs> very rubbish, very yeah. rubbish in its in its in its first eleven is likely to have a load of changes in yeah. it tomorrow. So that that feels like a certain three points. A weakened Sunderland team. A weakened Sunderland team. Yeah. Week. And then the prospect of um, casting new aspersions, but you can't imagine. Everton, at the very best, are perfectly capable of going to Arsenal and losing. Everton um, trying to put Liverpool into the Champions League. Yep, you're, you're not thinking it would be the the most 100% Everton performance you'd ever see. No, I've, I've seen Everton on the road a few times this season and they're not great away from home. The home form's record-breaking, but they're away from I think I think they got less points away from home than they got under Martinez last season, which tells you tells you a little bit about where their problems lie. I've I've actually been present at some of their some of the worst games you could imagine. Some of these Everton, I mean, I was at Middlesbrough nil Everton nil in uh, in February and you know. Let's not talk about nil nils involved in Middlesbrough at this stage. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So I was at Middlesbrough. Fortunately, <laughs> Middlesbrough don't seem to take that on the road. But yeah, you, you're right. There was no room for error. I I, I was as uh, aghast as anyone I think on Saturday when I saw how comfortably Arsenal swatted aside Stoke. There was about a ten minute spell where. Stoke looked like they might just have a little bit of a go and Peter Crouch uh, managed to punch one into the back of the net. But I was I thought, oh no, I don't like the look of that at one bit. Arsenal have just had a tough looking away game and have just come through it very easily. Now Liverpool have got a tough looking away game. But it was anything but and you know, once uh, 
once Mr. AU had done his uh, his bit, lifelong Liverpool fan, Andre <laughs> AU had done his bit for the cause just before half time. It was, I like James said, it was an enjoyable second half. It was the sun was shining, the away end was singing, and Liverpool were uh, were pretty pretty hot to trot against a, a, a well embarrassingly bad West Ham side. Piercy, let, let's go back to the start and the team sheet first of all. Um, Roberto Firmino out with a muscle problem, so. Klopp didn't have many options, uh, and I have to say, when I saw uh, hands up, uh, I was worried when I saw the team. Uh, not because I thought that um, Daniel Sturridge wasn't a good option, um, but with Firmino out of the team uh, and having to make changes, then to switch formation as well. Um, uh, the, the worst thing about losing Firmino half the time for me is that it impacts on Coutinho. Normally, I always yeah. feel that those two work so well together. But and then to change it to go two up top and go with the diamond, um, I was just worried it was going to be too many changes. But in actual fact, the arrival of of Sturridge and the two up top did everything that those who've been calling for it, um, you know, could have wished for really. Yeah, it did. It really did pay off, and I think you wonder as well. Maybe he was slightly influenced by the fact it became a must-win because you know you just wonder whether if other results had gone in Liverpool's favour on the Saturday that he might have um, approached it slightly differently. I, I thought I thought that he was going to pick Lucas and maybe Origi would be the one that that missed out. So to pick the team he had was very bold. But I think you know, do, do you know what? I was actually I was happy when I saw the team sheet and it was confirmed that was the lineup just because. It's it's just been quite painful the last five or six weeks when he's he made a lot of, I think I think negative decisions at times and been very cautious in games. Probably since since he made that substitution against Bournemouth, I think when he took off Coutinho and brought on Matip, that you know you, that he's almost you've and you've sensed it in every press conference he's done that he's talked about the importance of being solid defensively and we can't expect to have too many chances in this game. We need to keep it tight and all the rest of it. So to actually see him actually go back to you know the ambition that Liverpool showed in the early months of the season I must have I was I was very optimistic when I saw that team sheet just and also the fact that West Ham had what, four four or five first teamers missing it, it looked like a mismatch and thankfully it was Jonesy uh, I, I think Klopp was very nervous before this game when he um, when he spoke to the the telly there was just something a little bit different about him and I think he he Whatever project or whatever nine you wish to describe it as a project, a journey or whatever he's on at Liverpool, he's talked about maybe six, seven years here. I think he could see that project potentially being knocked back 18 months, uh, which you, well, certainly another 12 months if, if, if you look at um, the potential for not being into the Champions yeah. League and the ability that that gives you to both attract. Um, new players and keep your best ones yeah you have to look at it I mean uh, that was the I know Manchester United are the rivals but it was the worst case scenario was Arsenal beating Liverpool to fourth because that would be the top six and five of them would have been in the Champions League and I think we're going to assume United are going to annoyingly swat Ajax aside in, that, in the Europa League final so that would be five Premier League teams in the Champions League and still not Liverpool if Arsenal were to, to do it so I think I think that was it's it sort of Heighten the sense of of trepidation among supporters, and it's, it's you know it's still there. I mean, don't don't kid yourself that come Friday and Saturday there won't be Liverpool fans 
fatalistically worrying about Alvar and Negredo and Rudy Gestead and people like that because that's that's the, the nature the of the pace of Traore. Yeah, or Stuart Downing yeah. coming back for one last hurrah at Anfield, you know, cop legends. I'm gonna put my uh, my 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 fears aside until Friday, and yeah, we will discuss those idea. in blood red yeah. on Friday. Yeah, there will be a worried pod, I think, on on, on Friday. <laughs> uh, I think you're right about Kloppy and Nevers. I think the goal celebrations as well. They they seemed to be a little bit more, didn't they? There was a, a real sort of. It, it, it wasn't the, the mad passion that you see of Klopp, it was the sort of, it was angry sort of, you know, relief, if you like, of the clenched fist and, you know, come on. Um, I think, that, you know, the, the way the, the players celebrated as well, but second half, especially in front of the, the away end, I think they, they knew it was a big one. And, yeah, job done, job done. I mean, we, we got the team, um, we got the team off an ex-Liverpool player who shall remain nameless, and I was a bit surprised. I think we, we didn't expect Origi to start. Me, myself and James, we were like, when we were told Origi is going to be starting, I was like, oh, okay, that's bold. But then when you look at it in hindsight, and I know it's so easy to do it, but you look and you think, well, West Ham's back three are Reed, Collins and Font, who are all you know, ageing sort of stopper centre-halves. The pitch is massive. It's like a it's like a Wembley style cup yeah. final. Watching pitch. on the telly, it looks yeah. like a cup I mean, final I pitch. I believe how it? big it looked. Just, just uh, maybe the, maybe the, the sort of it, the extra runoff area makes it look a bit bigger as well. But I thought, well, yeah, you'd want you'd want a Sturridge on there do with his movement. You'd want a Coutinho maybe getting on the ball a bit more, wide open spaces. And I think, but that, that was borne out. Never better than the first goal in terms of you know the space Sturridge was given and the space Coutinho was given. It was embarrassing and Liverpool took advantage and then the second half ran riot against the team that. Like I've been saying in recent weeks, you know, once you get one or two nil up against these teams that don't have, that's when you see the flip flops. That's when you see that they're on holiday because what's the point? What's the point in them battling back from two nil, three nil down? While they're still in the yeah. game, yeah, they're still. Yeah. Um, but it, it became a procession. It could have been. It could have been ten. Piercy, the um, let's look at that first goal then. Um, Coutinho obviously dropped into a deeper position, playing more centrally. Um, I wrote a little bit on player focus uh, for Anfield Extra last week about the fact that in his position on the left of the of the three, he's not giving Liverpool any width down that side because he's constantly cutting in. Yeah. And I think Klopp has almost accepted that that's where Coutinho is going to do most of his um, best work. The problem against Southampton was that that left Liverpool relying on James Milner for width, and as we know, he doesn't really want to use his left foot particularly much. Um, so now, and Klopp spoke about it, didn't he, in the press conference? The, 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 yeah, the, 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 the breakout with the newspapers on yeah, Friday, yeah. Yeah, and bringing, think, it, bringing him central to where he can do damage, essentially. Yeah, and I, th- I think when he was talking then, he, well, he, he was talking at, at the time about next season. Like He was asked about Coutinho's development and where he where he sees him going forward. And But obviously, you know, he was talking about next season, but in the back of his mind, he, I think he... He knew that, in, in fact, that would be where he'd be playing Coutinho a couple of days later, and um, everything Klopp said in that conversation was kind of borne out by the impact Coutinho had on that game at the London Stadium. Because you know, he said that he believes by shifting him inside, he can influence games more, pull the strings to a greater extent, and he just gave Liverpool, you know, a, a spark and a, you know, a, a, an injection of creativity that they just haven't had for. For too long, I think sometimes he can, you know, when it, when Coutinho gets accused of drifting in and out of games, it's you know it is because all the time he, you know, he's he's stuck on the periphery out there on the left, where you know when he's given that role like he was yesterday on the side of a, a midfield diamond, he's absolutely in the thick of it, and you know it showcased his range of passing. I mean the weight, the weight on the ball for the first goal was you know, absolutely sublime. 
Sturridge gave it the finish he deserved, and then you know the way that he he took took the the second and the third goals just just oozed class. And yeah, Coutinho was you know, head and shoulders above anyone. And you know I think that was the big you know, the pleasing thing was that you know on a day when Liverpool really needed their big players to step up and deliver, Coutinho did that. And um, you know it was it was almost reminiscent of. What Steven Gerrard used to do in a Liverpool shirt in many ways, you know, when Liverpool really needed him, you know, the talisman that others looked to, you know, stepped up and 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 really grabbed it by the scruff of the neck, and Coutinho did that. Jonesy, longer term, Coutinho centrally, uh, I have reservations about him. So I don't think he could quite act in um, in a four-three-three the way Lallana has in terms of coming back. Just I worry about him physically and in, in that sort of absolute midfield role uh, in the middle of the pitch um, Lalana Cooks very well but he, he's a sort of in, quite an intensely physical player Lalana in terms not in size but in terms of energy and, and output um, but it, it's clear that Klopp uh, wants to send a message to Coutinho almost about how important he is in terms of setting the tone for Liverpool and obviously with you know, constant rumours of Barcelona and everything else. However many times Klopp knocks it down, um, uh, Liverpool get into the Champions League and Klopp saying to Coutinho, "You're going to be central to it," is 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 a big message to send, isn't it? Yeah, it crossed my mind that it's sort of letting the world know that you know if you hear any stories about Philip Coutinho being unhappy on the left that might may emerge whilst Barcelona continue their charm offensive, then you know, here's my answer to it. He'll he'll be he'll be moving moving centrally in the future. At 13 goals, that's that's the season, and I think that's a key thing. Is that he moved deeper and he he produced more in terms of an attack and output. You know that that's that's the fear, isn't it? When you you move a, a player of his quality deeper, that you think he's not going to influence the game in as Klopp called it decisive areas, but he certainly did. He managed to get into those decisive areas yeah, six, anyway, didn't he? Had he had six shots and he created six chances in, in the game. So, I mean, to be fair, the, the, the first goal he got, Genie, while that Wijnaldum put it on the plate for him with the uh, the volley off the crossbar from 35 yards, <laughs> he, he just, just had to apply the finish. What um, a goal that would have been, by the way. I know, it's just, it was one of them. I, I was still typing Wijnaldum's hit the bar when, when Coutinho, Coutinho um, put the shot away. I didn't actually see, the, see that goal go in. But I, my, my favourite one was the, the second goal because it was sort of... It was the one where he, I think he, he considered toying with the goalkeeper, didn't he? I think he considered sort of delay, delay, delay. And he thought, no, nah, I'm just going to hit this at his head. <laughs> and he'll move out the way. And I love that. That was another prime case of a defender. In this, time, yeah. in this case, James Collins. I know he, they were outnumbered about yeah. five to two on the, on the break. But how can he not know that Coutinho wants to <laughs> yeah. take that touch and come inside? I, mean, I he, think he was looking for the referee. He was needing to go home yeah. I think he was just thinking... I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered yeah. here lying down and, and <laughs> make him make me look stupid. I'll just wave him through. Yeah. But you know that that that's good because you really do need you need Coutinho to be hitting numbers, as they say in in, in the the business. He needs to be clocking up those numbers. The likes of you know you think of comparable players to him in terms of um, in terms of the Premier League. You think of Eriksson. You think of De Bruyne, um, David Silva, people like that. Juan Mata at United. They they are. Scorers and creators, and they do it. Hazard, Hazard, another one. You know, as regularly as you can possibly be. Sanchez, you know, different type of player, but the same. And Liverpool need that. He is still, he's still a talisman, despite he's not had the best of form in 2017, in my opinion, since he came back from the injury. But he's still 
still the best player Liverpool have got and the more we save him on the ball and doing things like that the better Piercy the other end of that first goal Daniel Sturridge obviously a good run um, with a, a very ragged West Ham defensive line helping him um, but you have to you have to have an, a knowledge in terms of how to how to break that, that, that down and make the most of it and the I was sat in the office with Joe Rimmer and um, both of us, after he scored that goal, both looked at each other and said, I never had a moment's doubt he was going to score yeah. because it was Daniel Sturridge. And I think, um, was it the, was it against Stoke when he came on as a sub and he yeah, um, Shawcross pass, passed it to him? Pass, yeah. And he, he did exactly the same. Yeah. And no one in Anfield that day thought he was going to do anything yeah. but score. And went, there's no, For me, there's no one else in the team you think that of. You can talk about Firmino and Coutinho being skilled. And obviously they are, you know, Jonesy's just given Coutinho um, the big licks in terms of being our best player, absolutely. But um, I still wouldn't, I'd take Daniel Sturridge every time over yeah, Coutinho. Yeah. The other thing was just before that goal, there was one where I think he, I think it was Font like trod on the ball and he sort of nicked it from him and, yeah. and he, he, he looked like he was away and he got caught, didn't oh, he? And, and he, he got moved. Yeah, and I, I think... I think I, I typed, I tweeted that saying that, and then people were coming to me saying, he's not got the pace, he's not got the legs, he can't do it anymore, he can't run away from the <laughs> And I, I actually replied to someone and said, you time, and it couldn't have been anybody, because I think it was literally as the goal went in, this, this tweet dropped moaning about him. Yeah. He's, he's just a class finisher, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think you were, as, soon as, as soon as he got on the end of that Coutinho pass, Neil was getting his knee squeezed. And you're giving away the secrets here, <laughs> yeah, uh, Piercy. You just, you just knew what was coming. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think anyone in that stadium thought he was going to miss because you know, he just he made it look so easy for me the way that he um, you know just skipped past Adrian and, and and slotted home and there was a lot to admire about Sturridge on Sunday you know aside from the goal you know his movement was was excellent throughout he you know he was you know it's easy to think maybe just write this season off as, as being just about injuries for him but it, it hasn't been has it because there's, there's been other times when he's played and and, and under achieved and under delivered and and Failed to convince Klopp that he's worthy of a place in the team, but when he when he looks at, when he's as sharp and as fit as he as he looked on Sunday, you know it's it, you know there's there's few better in in the Premier League. You know he was he was an absolute menace to to uh, West Ham absolutely throughout the afternoon, and you know the, the stand innovation he got. I think when he came off with a few minutes to go was was richly deserved. I think you know, obviously I'm sure we'll talk about it. You know the debate. Um, you know, it kind of ignites the debate again. I suppose in terms of what happens to him this summer, um, and I think it's I think it's a dilemma. I think it's one that will probably divide opinion amongst the fan base as well. Well, I, I mean, let's have that discussion right now because I, I think Liverpool fans uh, in Liverpool, UK, and around the world, there would have been one discussion top of their list last night, this morning, whenever they. Um, got together with their work for, uh, colleagues or friends, whatever, talking about the game yesterday. Every, everyone would have been... And you saw this on social media yesterday as well. Um, Sturridge, shouldn't we find a way to keep him, really? Um, there's been a general assumption that he'd leave. We've discussed it on the pod loads. Um, I mean, I've discussed lots of times about, you know how he would have won the title for Arsenal if they got him on the pitch, if, if they had him. Um, and and he, because that's how good I think he is. But when it comes down to it, 
I don't think Liverpool should keep him this summer, and and I, and I know people will be really divided about this, and I absolutely love him as a player, but I don't think you can. I, I think Klopp essentially wants to proceed on a, some basis of certainty in terms of what he can expect from his squad, and Jonesy, we'll go talk this through, but for me, I just think. He's a very good. He's a very very good player, and I'd love to love to see him on there. But we all know the downside to him. Um, I, I, I printed off before we came in his his appearances over the seasons. Um, so um, so it goes in the last five seasons, starting from furthest to go uh, sixteen, then um, thirty three, which was the 2013-14 season, uh, eighteen, twenty five, and this season twenty six. Julian end with a, obviously a maximum of 27. You'd imagine if as long as nothing happens this week, he'll get 27. Um, lots of those are sub, I suspect. But um, he's he's got seven goals now this season. His record's incredible: 60 60 goals in 118 Liverpool games. I think it is. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah 60 right. goals in 118. So um, so better seven. than one in two, which is generally seen as the the, the mark. Um, are you keeping Sturridge if you're Jurgen Klopp? No, no, I'm not. Um, I, I, I wrote, we, we did a debate piece, I think it was six weeks ago, maybe eight weeks, about what you do with Sturridge. And my opinion is it's best for everyone if, if he if he try, goes and tries something else. Whilst taking on everything that you said about the type of player he is, and, and he is, he's a, he's a brilliant player. He, he, he is. But I think you have to remove issues from from your squad and I think like you say the, the certainty and while you've got a strike you need a player like him you need, you need someone who, who has that he'll score thing about him and that's the challenge for Liverpool but I think while he's there and while he's the way he is in terms of his fitness in terms of not being able to get more than 25-26 games out of him a season in all comps I think you've got an issue because you're you're still hoping and you're clinging on to something that might never come and you're still t- giving up a squad place to someone who might never be there for you and for me I think it's good that he's back it's good that he's back for the last two games and hopefully he scores a hat-trick on, on Sunday and gets his name sung and he, he gets the, the best ovation you can possibly imagine and people remember what a, what a wonderful way what a wonderful striker he was for Liverpool but I think next season I think Liverpool need to go in a different direction and find someone with similar talents, but greater reliability in terms of making appearances. I think he's coming to 27, coming to 28. He's coming to 28 yeah, in September. In September. It's not gonna, he's not gonna magically suddenly become a 50, 50 uh, game a season player. You know, He's not gonna find a, 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 a physical coach that's gonna get him into that shape. If anything, his problems are likely to get worse in the future. And I think, I think now is the time for Liverpool to say, thanks for everything, Daniel, but good luck with somewhere else and and um, we'll try and try and move on without you Piercy Sturridge himself spoke about having no worries about <laughs> next season after the game that was that can mean a lot of things can't it having yeah. no worries and he spoke I about meant, his, I don't want to talk about it yeah <laughs> and he, yeah. he spoke about his good relationship with Klopp and they were smiling together on the sideline and everything else that might be both men uh, I think potentially you know, aware of where they stand and um, 
what one thing I don't think is in doubt is that when Klopp has him on the pitch, he absolutely loves him as a player. But we've there's just been for me too many times this season when Sturridge has been available and Klopp has also not not necessarily trusted him to 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 put him in the starting lineup because we know he don't he doesn't quite fit into the Klopp mould either. Yeah, um, well you go go back to the opening weekend of the season and. I remember then Sturridge wasn't happy with the fact he, he didn't make the squad for the Arsenal away game on that weekend because, you know, again, he'd had a, some discomfort in his hip but had trained for a few days before the game and so assumed, you know, oh, I'm in. And um, and Klopp, basically, he, he said, I think he, he said on, on the record that, um, that you know, no, I, I want Sturridge to train, you know, a full week to consider him for a game and it was... It has, it has, it has been so frustrating. Because I think you're right. When, when he's in the kind of shape that he, that we saw him in on Sunday, it is even it's ridiculous that it's even, an even a debate about whether he should stay or go. And it's, I was looking at the stats actually, and he's actually been available for seventy percent of Liverpool's Premier League games this season, which surprised me actually. I didn't, I didn't think that figure would be as, as high as that. But he's only started six of them: thirteen on as a sub and seven as an unused sub. And I think, I think that that. The, the fact that you know, the, the, what's that? Twenty six games he's been available for, and only started six of them. And I think that kind of tells you a lot about where you know. There was a spell earlier on the season where Origi was consistently getting picked ahead of him. I think was it down at Tottenham when there was the was he the camera yeah, panned on to him and he faced and he like thunder. Yeah. Um, so I, I I agree that I think a part in the ways is probably inevitable this summer. But the, the only thing that I think maybe might change that is what offers actually come in for it because yeah. trying to put a price on storage is just well, I, I don't we, even know how you we did it <laughs> we did we, we did, did this in our uh, auction John I think we decided 20 million plus add-ons linked to yeah. appearances but in, in the sense Liverpool that, are talking about wanting 10 million for Kevin Stewart <coughs> yeah Liverpool want, may, may have to reassess that no, I, but I just thought. think it, yeah, I, 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 I know I, I it, it is. It's one of them that you can look stupid either way because you, he's a fifty million pound yeah. player, isn't he? Daniel yeah, Sturridge yeah. in terms of talent. I mean, listen, this guy Lacazette at, at Lyon, lovely, you know, had a really good, good player. Good player. Good. Daniel Sturridge, Lacazette. Where would you go? You know, both both at the, the the peak of their powers. I think. I think. You can make a case for for Daniel Sturridge as much as you could like yeah. I said. They're talking about this, you know, what what's this guy from Brazil? I, I, people, you know, he's playing in Brazil. They're talking about twenty five million pounds for, for him. You know, Luan. Luan, yeah. You know, these players, they're not Daniel Sturridge, regardless of what potential he might have, or this and that. To to go back to what James you just said, that that I think that's about a massive point. Seven times on new substitute this season, Daniel Sturridge and Liverpool. Liverpool over fourteen points off the top. For, you know. How many of them? How many of them games did were, were Liverpool level in? I, I can think of one. Definitely was at Old Trafford. I think he 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 was either either came on for for five minutes or came on. I didn't come on at all. You know he's come on. He was unused at Manchester City, as well. Yeah. Unused at Tottenham, like he says, that was a one-all draw against Tottenham. Who finished above Liverpool this season? You know that says it all. I think about about the sort of for all the smiles, the relationship that he's got with Klopp. It's not, he hasn't got the trust of Klopp. He's got he's got the respect as a player. He hasn't got the the out and out trust to yeah. put him in the side. You can you, you judge things by actions rather than words in, in yeah. football, don't you? But and the only thing Klopp uh, can't hide is who he puts on the pitch yeah. and who he puts on the subs bench. And we've seen those stats that James has gone through. There is it, that that's that's almost everything you need. It would 
it would be an incredible vault fast for Klopp to now go, um, you know, you're going to be key to Because I mean, people, people, I think people talk about wanting to keep Sturridge and thinking, oh, you're just going to replace. For me, even even if Sturridge were to stay, Liverpool have to go and reinforce their striking options um, this this summer. John, John Aldridge spoke yeah. passionately about <laughs> it. You're going to say they need to sign John Aldridge. <laughs> <laughs> he did hey, get a goal at absolutely. the cop end. He did. Um, <laughs> I mean, he spoke passionately in his echo column last week about absolutely 100% the first thing they need is a, is a is a is a, a striker, um, but but my view is that you go and get two uh, two new strikers and 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 you know and as you say send that Daniel Sturridge on his way for all that you know yesterday's performance was massively important for all that we all love watching him and it's brilliant to have someone up with that class in a Liverpool yeah. shirt because I think so many so many of us who. Who sort of support Liverpool? That that element of class to a player is something that is really appreciated in, in red and or Toxic Thunder as it was yesterday. And, and for the final time, uh, yeah. Toxic Thunder got its own. So um, he is all class, but I think you you get whatever you get for him. Twenty five maybe, somewhere between twenty and thirty, I would think. You send him on his way, and you and you go and buy. They're not easy bought, of course, and you, you might take more than 25, 30 for, for each of them, but I think you have to go and buy another two. Um, and even if Sturridge stays, then for me, you, you definitely still need another one. Yeah. I, I, How many times have we looked at a Liverpool bench and thought he's got no one? Yesterday, yeah. he had all his eggs were in the starting basket. Yeah, that, that, was, that was what I was thinking of the starting line. It was, you know, you need to leave something for if it, if it doesn't work, whatever you, whatever you go for. But thankfully, it did work, and you were able to. Let Lucas Woodburn and uh, Gruwich enjoy enjoy a little walk in the sun for the last couple of minutes. The other, I mean, me and James were talking about it yesterday. I, I think it was quite pointed what Klopp said post match, and I, I, you know you can read too much into what a manager says, but I think it was telling that a he referenced the amount of games that Sturridge has missed, even when talking about how well he'd done in the West Ham game, and b he mentioned his timing being perfect, and he said that. Firmino being out and his best week of training, Sturridge. And I think I think there was an element that he was saying that Daniel Sturridge was up for this game because he knew he was he had a chance of starting. And I I I wonder I wonder whether there was a it, it just betrayed it betrayed a, a sort of a, a, a feeling the Klopp has that you know Daniel Sturridge has levels of. Of what he can give, and I think I think that was what Klopp was was hinting at after the after the game. Albeit, I mean, the smile on his face was it, it was great to see when he was asked, "Did Sturridge make a difference?" And he just said, "What did you think?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, no, I think that was a, I think that was the right answer to a, a pretty straightforward question. I, I was going to say, the, I mean, I've heard fans say that Sturridge should be kept as a squad player, and obviously thrown into the mix the fact that Liverpool like to have sixty games plus next season so you wouldn't necessarily need him every single week but you might need him for 20 games or something next season but I think what will probably go against that is just the fact he's such a high wage earner as well because I think if you look back in recent years you know you know he's on what I think incentivized partly but he's you know, it's a 150 grand a week contract and Liverpool aren't really in the business I don't think of having a 150 grand a week squad player you know I think go back a few years to you know, obviously Pepe Reina was on big money, moved on once they weren't convinced he was going to be a starter anymore. Um, 
you know, even you know before that to when Rogers took over when he like Dirk was on Dirk Cal yeah, was on Cal, big yeah. money Maxi Rodriguez Maxi Craig Bellamy yeah I think the you know Carroll was another one yeah. you know people but said keep Carroll as a plan yeah, B ben, I mean Ben Seca it was one last year wasn't it you could easily have kept Ben Seca exactly but players who are on underground plus a week don't tend to get. But, but, but I would argue if Liverpool are to move forward as a squad, I completely accept everything you've said there. But if Liverpool are to become a strong squad, if you look at United this season, right? Now, for, for all, nobody in this room is particularly enamoured with United and probably uh, nor, nor Jose Mourinho. But they, they've had bundles of games, no more than we had last year, to be fair. They've, they've, had, they've had a terrible run of injuries, at least as bad as the Liverpool's, you would say. Um, but they're still able to put out these um, teams where you go down it and go, where are all these changes in this team? Because they just it just it looks, looks like, like a first team. team. Yeah. Each team looks like a yeah. first team, and that's because they're and and that's a position where okay, United are financially stronger than Liverpool at the moment. They're able they're able to do that. But if Liverpool are really to take that next step as a squad, that they need to be able to have people not in the team. Who are of absolutely proven, all the proven class, yeah. players who can come in and not see a drop in quality, and that's where the squad has struggled this season, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. I, I still, I still don't think Sturridge falls into that category. And I, the other, the other uh, variable that we haven't considered really is what does what does he want? I mean, does he want you know you say I'll keep him as a squad player? Does he want that? Does, I, I don't, I don't think Daniel Sturridge is a player who will go. Okay, I accept. You don't want me in the team. I'll give you, I'll give you, a top class performance whenever, whenever you call on me. I think he's one that, I think he, he's like, why am I, why am I not on the team? Rightly so, you know, rightly so, given his ability. So there are certain players that you can put as a squad player, I think, and and think, yeah, Lucas being one, one that you think, I could imagine a Lucas saying, okay, I know I'm going to play one of the next three, but when I'm when I'm playing in that game I'll be I'll be ready for that game I'll be focused I think Daniel Sturridge is one that you can get up and down form from if he's not playing regularly and you know as you say he's coming to 28th in September does he want to be does he want to be waiting around for, for Divock Origi to feel his hamstring or for this new striker to, to run out of form or, or get injured on international duty I don't think he does I don't think he should he's missed enough football in his career already without signing up for a, a, a place you know, in a in the League Cup squad, so you know I think that's that's another consideration. He'll have his eye on England as well, won't he? Yeah, he's got a World Cup at the end. You, you know, know, potentially another World Cup at the end of the uh, end of the season. So yeah, I think if if he's if he's looking after himself and his agents and his family are looking after him, I think they'll be they'll be in his ear saying, "You need to be thinking about it at the very least." Other little talking points from the game. Obviously, I think that's Sturridge one and Coutinho dominated. Um, the AU miss was incredible. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just say one thing on it was that, that I think people didn't give enough credit to the, um, the grab Mignolet makes yeah. almost from behind him when it's... Because when it's, it's, it's sort of lying there on the line, isn't it? And, he, or, and it's still moving. He manages to grab it before anyone else does. Um, for all that, there were question marks everywhere in terms of um, what was going on with the... I mean, it was, it was a great ball in... Um, I've looked at it a few times. I still don't I think it quite. Bounced, Arig- bounced off Lovren, didn't it? Yeah, bounces Lovren. It sort of hits. Origi looks like he could have jumped for it and doesn't. Um, 
Mignolet semi looks like he could have come and had a go at trying to punch it, but it was it was, it flat, was, it was it? a it was really flat, flat fast one. It wasn't a loopy one where you yeah. can move your feet and get under it. And then and then a of course you know you'll, you'll go down and you'll get a great reception at Anfield for, for the, <laughs> forever if, the, if this proves de- decisive. I mean, it was it is one of the great misses, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I'd ever seen a worse one than that in terms of because yeah the fact he had two bites at it as well because even the first one you think it's unbel- he's under absolutely no pressure he's done well to hit the post from two yeah. yards out and then you think well, he's, uh, he's obviously going to put away the second one and then to do exactly the same again was you know and that was uh, in the end obviously it's it's a bit of a footnote really on the afternoon because of the way that Liverpool ran away with it in the second half but that that would have completely changed the mood around the stadium I mean, Goals change games as well. Yeah, well, obviously, me and Neil were down there, and I'd, we, I'd never been to the London Stadium before. And it's, to be honest, I'm not really looking forward to going back there because it was a pretty lifeless, soulless environment. And you know, you're so far away from the pitch, and you know the West Ham fans were very, very quiet, and you know they'd been given nothing to shout about up to then. Um, but if that had gone in, you know that would have changed the whole complexion of the of the contest. And you know that was a huge slice of luck. And then obviously the the other one was. You know the, uh, the the non penalty that was given against Wijnaldum, um, and then seconds later, obviously Liverpool breaking away and and Coutinho scoring. So, uh, but yeah, it did it did feel like you know fortune favouring the brave a little bit in terms of the way Liverpool approached the game and the way that they they got at West Ham and the way that Klopp wasn't anywhere near as cautious as he's been in recent weeks. I think you know uh, they, I think they deserved that that bit of luck. We got yeah, it felt like we got a bit of luck and we haven't had a lot, Jonesy to me. And um on the penalty Piercy talks about when um I was on the, the match blog and wasn't actually was busy typing you were mentioning when, when that when that happened and, and, and Joe said, Oh, that's a, that's a certain penalty and I have to say when I, I saw the replay I thought I thought I've definitely seen them give him, but I didn't think it was a stonewall penalty either for I thought the elbow in the in the in the face was accidental from coming down from his jump and then the ball sort of lands on his elbow there's no way you could say it was deliberate if you wish to throw that into the handball uh, no. rule but but we've definitely seen them given but West Ham's inability to respond and let um, let Liverpool just trot up the pitch was, yeah. was, was well Dermot Gallagher I saw him on Sky this morning former referee and he, he was in agreement he said neither of them were penalties he said I don't think you can you can say there was an, an intent to handle it from Wijnaldum and and the foul wasn't enough or wasn't I, I, you know it was a collision rather than a, a foul. Um, they could have stopped the game. Could have stopped the game. Injury, that's, that's, a, that's a bigger complaint probably. Yeah. Although it doesn't really it wouldn't have changed the game for West Ham it, if Liverpool don't go through enough if they get a penalty it, it would potentially change the game. James talks about squeezing the leg for the first goal and seeing it come. <laughs> I could see that that coming the second. The, the whistle didn't go because Liverpool just <laughs> broke forward and I, I don't know the West Ham player but there was one player who was when it's when the move starts he's running back with Wijnaldum because Wijnaldum's obviously gone up for the yeah, for the, yeah. uh, the challenge in his own penalty and this guy and I'm, I'll tell you when the ball goes in the net he's still 30 yards from goal but he's still running I don't know who it was he, he running through treacle I think it might have been Byron the fullback but they, they, they weren't in the mood to run back towards their own goal at that no. stage Liverpool I mean it, it was almost the only way Liverpool couldn't have scored there was by over elaborating, and he nearly did. Got the goal. Yeah, Origi absolutely wellies it at uh, Coutinho from about two or three yards. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's uh, it's just 
James took up the, the stadium then. You know, I'd far be having to turn this into a West Ham pod, but we were talking to another journalist as we were, we were leaving the ground and just saying, it, it's almost like they've ripped the soul out of West Ham by with this with this move. And you know, I talked in the last pod about going to Upton Park and how I would be fearful, more fearful going to Upton Park than I would going to the Queen Elizabeth Park or the London Stadium or the or the Olympic Stadium, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that that's not that's not West Ham. That's not a West Ham United. Um, place to be. It's not a West Ham atmosphere. It's the worst atmosphere I've experienced in the Premier League for many a season. It's some people will view that as all, they as, did a lap of honour. West Ham yeah. players did a lap of honour. <laughs> I mean, I, if you see the video, if you can see how the video, it, I mean, I would, I, if I'd have been a player, I would not have gone out. I'd have said, you know what, I'll take any fine you want to give me, two weeks' wages, whatever you want to do. You put me on the transfer list. I am not going out in front of them because the only ones who stayed, five hundred, whatever. The only ones who stayed wanted to, to tell them they were a disgrace as well. Yeah. And they weren't, they weren't getting applauded. The, the, the other kids in with them and everything. Yeah, there was oh, a few. Sorry, sorry. The PA system was loud. Well, how loud was the PA? System? And I the, think that was the, deliberate. The, the fellow on the PA was the thousands were streaming out going. Please don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. The players will be returning very shortly for the lap of honour, <laughs> and they were just it all was gone. ridiculous. I mean, that, but that, but this is like we talk about. You know, we talk about the power of Anfield. We talk about the new main stand, and people want to move. You know, people, people talk about wanting to move stadiums. You talk about Everton now. If I, if I'm Everton, I'm saying I'm getting whoever designed or designed the idea of West Ham going to this stadium. I'm going right. What did you do? And, and whatever they did, I'm saying <laughs> I'm not going anywhere near what they're doing because if, if Everton was to do something like that and have the same effect, it would be criminal. And I think what what's happened to West Ham as a result of the stadium move is little short of criminal. Everton have got enough problems in their hand. They're, they're, they're going to be on the river, so it's going to be freezing, it's going to be windy, and of course we all know what's next door to the stadium, the sewage works. It can't be any worse than the London Stadium, regardless of where it is and what it is. Loads of people will feel that they've got their just desserts there, because they obviously... West Ham, to a certain extent, were seen as um, almost stealing that stadium yeah. from, yeah, which is probably low Olymp- Olymp- government Olymp- stadium, Olymp- yeah, exactly, and sort of getting a stadium on the ch- on the very much on the cheap, yeah. and uh, and as you say, potentially putting that West Ham culture really at uh, at risk. Well, to be fair as well, I, you can say there's way more about West Ham. I hope all the other nineteen teams in the in the league. All do the same. I hope they move to these soulless bowls of stadiums and the fans all hate it and walk out 20 minutes before the end because it'll make it easier for Liverpool. Absolutely. And we, we had Klopp talking about, after Southampton, about the real need to have you know a fortress at home. And he's, you know, he spoke about it when he arrived and he's still speaking about it because we've sort of lost it. This um, We'll talk about it more on Friday, the Anfield issue, uh, obviously because you know one win at Anfield get, gets Liverpool there and... Uh, uh, and, and it's massive. Um, Mignolet overall, Jonesy, you wrote a little bit for Anfield Extra on our player focus, talking about how he's. And this is the the exact opposite of what I think sometimes happens at Anfield is where I think people get very nervous, with, especially when he's got the ball at his feet. And he was spreading calm, in your own words, yesterday. Yeah, he was. He was, he was, he was great. Um, took an early cross. Klein had a bit of a tough start against, against uh, Creswell. Down the, the West Ham left, and he, he hung up a couple of crosses. Mignolet came and came and plucked them out of the air, out of the air, and I think that it's always a good sign. And, and you talk about his weaknesses in the past, and we, we we've done them to death. You know the Mignolet carriers, this goalkeeping situation, they need to buy a new one. I think 
you have to give him all the credit in the world because he's clearly worked on everything. We've seen the pictures of John Achterberg with the uh, the rugby style uh, training methods on uh, you know at Melwood, giving him a buffet and as he's going up for crosses and it seems to pay off. And you know, I I actually think conversely to what a lot of people think, I think Mignolet is a big game player. I think the be- the bigger the game. And the more that's at stake, I think the better he plays. I think it's when he, he maybe he maybe allows his concentration to wander that he he, uh, he makes errors. But he was faultless, and you know, for all that Liverpool have produced a, a great attack and performance at, at West Ham. That's four clean sheets in the last five now. And Mignolet, Matt Lovren, Klein, Milner deserve as much credit as uh, as the Coutinho's and the Sturridge's. Because if everything goes all right this week, no doubt we'll talk about it on Friday. But. Um be tough to say, even if Firmino was fit next week, to say other, anything other than the same again, lads, in terms of no, team no. sheet. I think I'd, I think I'd still put him in for a Rigi. I would too. Play, yeah. Still, still go with the diamond. Yeah, I'd play with the same system, but yeah, I think, you know, like you said earlier about even if Stoke got, stays, got a goal, hit, hit the crossbar. Yeah, do you know what? He was erratic again though, and I know, I know what you like. You know, he deserved his goal, even though you know it was obviously a, a bit of luck with. I think it was a scuff shot from Wijnaldum that dropped to him a few yards out. But, yeah, he's still... I, I do like Origi, and I do think you know, he's definitely worth persevering with. There's enough there to, to believe that Klopp will help him move to the next level. But, like you said earlier about you think even if Sturridge does stay, you need to go and buy a top-class striker this summer. But I think that that's proved even more right by the fact that Origi is still a long way off the finished article. And then you throw into the mix... You've got obviously Ings to come back, but you, I think you, you have to almost treat Ings as like a, you know, a, a luxury for when you know for when he's ready because you know you can't count on him being rest, ready for the start of the new season after the best part of two years out. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, Origi's had a strange season, hasn't he? I think he's played played in, made more appearances than anyone else in the Liverpool squad. He's on eleven goals now, isn't he? Yeah, seven, yeah. seven in the league. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which you know, so if you look at the stats, he's actually had a pretty decent season yet. I don't know. You, you, I still find him a bit infuriating. That you, you almost feel that, f- that all the the kind of the raw materials are there t- f- for a top striker, but he kind of he's still not quite sharp at that level. Sharpness. I think he lacks. Yeah. Like, just just being alive to situations, and you know he seems he'll he'll he's got all the ability when he's got the whole game in front of him. He can he can do what he likes, but when it's just reacting to a loose ball or just getting in front of his man at the near post exactly. to have them little striker's instincts he, he doesn't want. do that at all does he try and you know, very a lot of times you just think he's still learning to play the position and when you know I, I think he that's why he frustrates a lot of people because when you say you, you like him I think everybody likes him and dislikes him in almost equal <laughs> measure because for me there's two Origis there's the Origi that was was absolutely um, starting to burst alive when he got that injury against Everton last yeah. season, and then there's that infuriating Origi, as you say, who, who just doesn't. You just want to give a shake and go, yeah. you know, look get, after the ball as get well. He's greedy for goals, yeah. well, and, and just take care of the ball. And when was going up to him, you know, even on, even on Saturday in the first half, Sunday sorry in the first half, it was just times where he'd take a touch and then. And then he'd switch off, and someone would nick in ahead of him and, and get rid of the ball. And you just yeah. want him to be reliable when you when you play. If you play up front, you've got to be able to, to handle the ball, whether it's to your chest, your head, your feet, whatever. And at the moment, he's got to work on that. Yeah, I think he needs a bit of tough love, Origi. I think yeah. I think Origi needs to be. Needs to listen to this pod. Well, he need, but getting round yours. I, the, I think the biggest thing that happened to Simon Mignolet was uh, this the season was 
yes, the competition from Carrius, but but less that, but more the fact he could see the end of his Liverpool career. Like it was, it was there in front of him, wasn't it? He knows he's what is he twenty eight, uh, Mignolet, he uh, and Carrius Klopp named Carrius as his number one, and Mignolet needs to go and play football. And he could say, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, leave, I'm gonna have to leave Liverpool, and. and Generally, he know he knows that that's going to be a step downwards in his career. Yeah. He'll have reached the top of his career. He's probably on on a downward. And to a certain extent, I just think with Origi, if were you to sort of suggest to him that you know your your future's you're playing for your future here, and I I just like to I think he's someone who really needs that sort of a an absolute rocket to say go and fulfil your potential. And uh, so I, I'd be giving him the. Uh, I'd be I'd more of a, a rod and yeah. stick than a carrot man with him. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's where I'd, that's, I'd be that's going. That's the, the kind of management style that Echo FC can expect <laughs> if, uh, yes. if if summer rumours are uh, on any basis and Was James it? Pierce has to be relieved of his duties. Yes, uh, absolutely. A um, couple other things to mention around the club, Piercy. Um, the plan application for Kirby is now. Um, Available to view anyone who's uh, who's uh, online. Uh, I'm sure you are if you listen to this. Uh, you can go onto Newsley Council's website and have a look at the full um, plan application. There, I had a look at it this morning. Obviously, 50 million pound new training complex, uh, joining first team and the academy together. And uh, it's interesting to that the consultation that they did, the results were in, in are in the planning doc and. I think there were something like 66 members of the public left comments at the consultation stage, 94% in favour. Um, I don't know what that works out, but either one or, or two of those people <laughs> Mr. Mr. T Werner, and, Mr. J. Henry. Yeah. <laughs> but considering, obviously, it's you know, planning applications tend to have some controversy attached yeah. to them. Things are going, are, are, are seem to be moving smoothly at this stage, I think, and uh, that, that'll be a, a, a big big issue for the club in the next couple yeah, of years. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is down to how much groundwork they did initially. To you know, It's not just a case of transforming the existing academy and, and buying the extra land. They were, they were also making promises and delivering in, in terms of transforming the facilities locally, obviously, you know, giving new pitches, new training areas, I think new uh, I think it's cycle paths and you know dog walking routes and all the rest of it, and lighting in the area. So I think, I think that's probably help the process the fact that it's not just a case of just to let you know we're taking this we're doing this they're actually you know an important part of the scheme is given back to the community as well so i'm sure that's helped matters and you know, i think you know obviously they've got to go through the the official channels with the planning but you know the fact that they've been so closely aligned with Knowlesley council to get to this point you know i, I don't envisage any any great issues and you know that obviously he's still on track to um to, to get building early 2018 and then uh, with a view to it opening in the summer of uh, of 2019 and John Z, the other the other bit was the uh, the end of the season for the academy teams uh, you and I popped up to um, you and I popped up to, to Kirby on was it Wednesday I think it was Wednesday yeah, it was, yeah. and uh, we watched the um, under 23s last game a friendly Against, remind me, 
Mansfield Town. Mansfield Town. Thursday it was, it was as well. Oh, the Thursday. Yeah, okay, we're doing well here. And the under 18s ended their season with a with a that was a four a four, and, one. four one win. <laughs> yes. And uh, your Andy. Uh, yes. <laughs> I did the impression on it. I did, I did the match report on this, but it was it, <laughs> it, it was it was a great read. It was uh, it was very uh, it was very sunny, and we had uh, yeah, we, nice. we had a, an informative afternoon up there, and. Uh, and a few players from um, who people might have forgotten about uh, yeah. coming back and played in that game, Jonesy. Yeah, Cameron Brannigan being being one, Lloyd Jones uh, being the other. He actually scored Lloyd Jones back from Swindon. Um, Cameron Brannigan. It, it, it was a bit of an um, it, it had the, the air of an exit team, didn't it? A sort of team that was sort of shot window, I think. And whether that's loan, permanent, or, or released, or whatever. I think that was it. wasn't the under 23s as we've known it this season with the the people like Trent and, and Woodburn and Ajaria and Chiaggio. But it was a it was a nice day. It was it was sunny. Cameron Brannigan was the best player on the pitch yeah. by a mile. He um, set up the first goal with the corner. Set up the second goal with a free kick. And he was just a bit. He looked like someone who's played league football and and played first team football for Liverpool, playing in a team that most yeah. of them won't and, and haven't. Um, yeah, it was a nice day. Decent year for the academy. You know, you talk about they haven't got a trophy, they haven't got a, a sort of that that sort of memory. But I think if you ask the coaches at the academy what they'd rather have—a Premier League two title or or a first team goal, first team debut, you know, uh, appearances in Merseyside derbies, Old Trafford, you know, League Cup games where where they've had three or four academy graduates in the same team, three teenagers on the pitch at the same time in Premier League games. I think they'd take that over over any, you know, if you like, um, superficial honours of, of being champions at uh, under twenty three level, and long may that continue. Yeah, well, the twenty three finished third in their uh, in their uh, league to to Everton, as, uh, as everyone will know from the uh, the final game in front of eighteen thousand at Goodison, which uh, Liverpool won uh, Monday uh, a week ago today actually, yeah. and uh, and the under eighteen finished. Third in in their league as well, and they've been playing in the playoffs. And the last game of those was against Man City on uh, Saturday away. That was a one nil defeat. That was a, a very good game actually. And uh, both sides missing players who are away with England at the moment who are playing in the under seventeen Euros, where um, Rian Brewster is doing well uh, for England. And uh, yeah, that was uh, noticeable for um, Neil Critchley's last game as under 18s uh, manager for Liverpool. He's brought through a load of players, including likes of Trent Alexander Arnold, uh, Ben Woodburn, Ovier Jaria, and it's been a, a massive success. And uh, he moves on to the 23s, and, uh, and a certain lad uh, with maybe a future in the game, Stephen Gerrard, takes on the 18s uh, next season. So I can't wait for that. It's going to be a really interesting year. Um, but for now, um, that'll do us, I think. Uh, I should say that if you haven't had enough fun yet, uh, <laughs> you can do so uh, by um, grabbing some beers from our uh, Blood Red partners. And uh, they are Beer52 at beer52.com. And if you, you pop onto their website, uh, you can order, uh, they deliver craft beers, a selection of eight craft beers. And at the moment, um, it's the best of new British breweries this month. You can get eight bottles um, on there. And if you put in the code ECHO, you will get them for a tenner off. You'll get them for 14 quid instead of 24 quid. So uh, there you are. Um, go and get yourself some cheap beer. But for now, this has been your Blood Red podcast. Thanks for listening. And we'll uh, see you all again on Friday.